Elrod, we are live from Princeton University. So exciting. I've never been here before. It, well, yeah, I've been here once or twice, but it's a beautiful campus. And um, we are here uh, at the Chef Action Summit, which is hosted by the James Beard Foundation. Um, the James Beard Foundation has been around for 30 years, and um, you know, it's been about highlighting the centrality of food culture in our daily lives. And um, this week, and this week, and these few days is a lot, is a lot about um, chef, chefs and their advocacy on issues that they care about. And uh, there's a lot of, uh, I think, you know, we were talking a lot about this, but there is a lot of overlap, I think, in many interesting ways between the life of a chef and a lot of like the life of a, pol uh, a political operative. Uh, I think there's a lot of politics that go on in the kitchen, but there's also, um, you know, a lot of uh, ways that um, chefs have become advocates on important issues such as SNAP, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, nutrition issues. And we're just happy to be here because we're looking forward to talking to some really incredible advocates and some incredible chefs. And uh, before we do that, though, we've got we've to we gotta dig into what happened a couple nights ago, the debate. Um, I actually did, you know, I'm a Washington Nationals fan, and they, they happened to, yeah, yeah. yeah. the balance that all of you downstairs have out there with the uh, debate. What's that? I said it was quite the balance. Yeah, yeah, I had to DVR one. I'm not going to tell you which one it was, but uh, um, but what'd you think? About the NAS game or the well, debate? No, well, come on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, no, what'd you think about the debate? So my biggest takeaway from the debate, and this is, perhaps I was being naive, but I think Elizabeth Warren has been able to get away essentially scot-free for a long time. Her policies... Her and Bernie Sanders' policies tend to be very far to the left, very progressive. Um, you know, there's a lot of criticism among moderates that there's no way to pay for these policies, that, you know, we want to get Trump out of office, but are we really going too far with some of this, you know, really constructive change that the two of them want to do? But Elizabeth Warren has really had no um, opposition against her. She's had not had any paid opposition against her. She's not had a real formidable challenge in the Senate race. I mean, Scott Brown, that was kind of a joke. Um, and for the Underwear first model. time, for the first time on this debate stage, she had a pile on. She had, I call it the revenge of the pragmatic moderates who really came at her. And by the way, you would think Joe Biden would be the one who, since he's the front runner, he's the uh, the two of them, and they represent different views of the party, but they're both the top two frontrunners. You would think that Joe Biden would be the one who is making the case for, you know, expanding and building on Obama-era policies, as opposed to Mayor Pete and Amy Klobuchar, because they are not the frontrunners like Joe Biden was. And that's what I thought was so fascinating to me, that the tag-teaming effort between Mayor Pete and Amy Klobuchar, as opposed to Joe Biden, making the case for in expanding on Obama-era policies, but not completely overhauling the system in order to defeat Donald Trump. I thought it was fascinating that those two were the ones who took her on. And Amy Klobuchar had her best night. I don't know how you guys feel in the audience, but you know she's been somebody who a lot of us have known for a long time. I know her personally. She's an incredible person. She's incredibly smart, but she just really has not had her moment. And I think on the debate stage on Tuesday night, it's Tuesday, right? Yeah, today's Thursday, Tuesday. On the debate stage Tuesday night, she really just said, you know what, I'm fed up with this. 
I'm fed up with nobody challenging Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders on a lot of their policies in terms of how they're gonna get paid for, um, what they really mean. And so therefore I'm gonna do it. And Mayor Pete to an extent had the same philosophy. And so the two of them, without knowing it, tag teamed each other against Joe Biden, I mean, I'm sorry, against Elizabeth Warren. And it was really effective, but I was, just, I was also just very surprised by the deafening silence from Joe Biden on that. I mean, he had some good, good, you know, good riffs on foreign policy and a few other areas, but the fact that he was not the one who was going Elizabeth Warren, but the tier two candidates were, was fascinating. So I felt like there, the, for the top three candidates, each of them had their own unique challenges. Uh, Bernie Sanders had to demonstrate that he was up, up to being president. He obviously, he had a heart attack last week, uh, which is, it's pretty- You would never know it though. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's pretty impressive that he was actually able to um, compete in a high profile, three prime hours. time, three hour debate. But he had a, he had a heart attack. Um, Joe Biden, you know, obviously was dealing with responding to attacks uh, against him and his son from the Trump uh, campaign and Trump White House, and I'm not sure there's much of a difference these days. Um, and, uh, and Elizabeth Warren, we knew there was going to be greater scrutiny on her, uh, her ideas and her policies. How is she, she going to pay for Medicare for all? You know, it's a $3 trillion a year program, $30 trillion over 10 years, on top of other programs, how is she going to pay for it? And so those are the three hurdles that I think I felt like they were all going to face. Uh, and I think for the most part, they, you know, I felt like Bernie was able to jump, you know, get over his bar. I think he demonstrated, you know, that, that he was, that he is, that he is up to it, you know, that, you know, that uh, if he had to reassure anyone in the audience, it was his supporters. And I thought he did that. Uh, and I thought that Joe Biden handled his uh, questions about uh, the attacks on his son pretty well. Um, you know, if, I, if it was me, I maybe would have uh, answered it a little bit differently, but I thought overall he did a good job. I think Elizabeth Warren, though, you know, the, 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 she is going to still face, and I think what reporters and journalists are going to be looking at now, because she is, in the eyes of so many people, the front runner, or at least the co-front runner, there's going to be much greater scrutiny on her record. And so, I, and I think the fact that um, she was not, she did not explain, uh, one, how she was going to pay for Medicare for all, and two, did not answer the question about whether taxes were going to go up on middle class workers. I think that's going to linger and it's going to be something that she's going to have to address. The other thing that I felt like um, was important is that there were going to be a couple of the candidates in the second tier that had to demonstrate that they were worthwhile to remain in the conversation and they had to send them a message to their supporters that, hey, look, don't give up on us. Uh, you know, we're, gonna, we're still here. We're still going to fight. Keep giving us money. Don't give, don't keep volunteering. And I think of those two or of, of those uh, 10, the two that stood out to me were, were Mayor Pete uh, I thought he was aggressive. I thought he had some really sharp pointed uh, questions. Uh, I think he is, if you look at everyone competing, I think he is the one that just from soup to nuts or from, if you want to use it intangibles, he is, he's got so many skills as a candidate and as a politician that um, make, that really set him apart. And then lastly is, uh, I did think Amy Klobuchar had a really strong night, the senator from Minnesota, and um, she needed it. She really needed it. She needed to, and you know, what happened is we, we learned in the last 24 hours, she, she raised a million dollars in 24 hours. 
um, which is for her a significant amount of money. She raised what, four million in the third quarter? Uh, yeah. So yeah. one million dollars in, in 24 one hours, night, which was or a one day of what she raised in the third quarter over three months. Yeah. And so, you know, the, uh, you know, the interesting thing now is the next debate is going to be in November. Um, it's in Atlanta, Georgia. The uh, criteria to uh, be on that stage has changed. It's now you have to, well, you know the criteria. What's the criteria? So for this debate, you had to raise unique donations from 135,000 donors, which means it could be a dollar, it could be 50 cents, it could be $2,500 from 135,000 donors from 20 states. And you had to get 2% in four national polls. For this next debate, you have to raise 165,000, um, or donations from 165,000 people. You have to get 3% in four major national polls and or you can hit 5% in two early state polls. So basically what they're doing, this means if you are I'm saying hypothetically, but if you're Tom Steyer, for example, who is spending a lot of his own money in Iowa to try to get his numbers up, and let's say you're polling disproportionately higher in Iowa where you're spending a lot of money compared to Nevada or compared to South Carolina, you're not punished by, you know, in that, in that way. So essentially your money that you're spending in those early states is counting for something in terms of your ability to qualify. So it's not just the national polls. Because look, we all know national polls are very important in terms of momentum, in terms of getting attention, but they don't matter as much. They met with, what matters the most are the polls in the first four states, at least in terms of, you know, how you're gonna do in those first four states. Yeah, so there are a number of candidates who've already qualified, but there are a number of who, who haven't. And so it's gonna be really important over the next, uh, you know, two, three weeks for, um, for, for these candidates who are on the bubble to uh, reach those thresholds. Um, one last thing on the debates is, you know, typically Democrats aren't known as being um, strong on national security or, or aggressive on foreign policy. And what I found was really interesting about the debate was that all of the Democrats were very aggressive in contrasting their views on national security and foreign policy with the president's view, largely due to what um, the, president, the president's decision to pull troops out of Syria, uh, which he's um, received a lot of criticism from, criticism from his own party on. Um, and what was, what was interesting to me was over the course of the various, you know, the four debates that we've had, I have not been impressed with the Democrats' ability to um, construct a message that was, a, you know, that was uh, forcefully um, critical of the president's positions on the economy, on health care, on prescription drugs, you name it. There just hasn't been like a unified uh, message by the candidates. Two nights ago, though, what I saw was uh, a, a, a unity of the candidates in um, criticizing the president on national security and foreign policy, which to me is a bit ironic, or ironic in the sense that that's, tip, that's not necessarily an area where Democrats really generally feel very comfortable uh, going up against Republicans. Exactly, and they, they now have an opening provided by President Trump, who has essentially given them this opening because of the situation in Syria, the fact that we're punishing the Kurds who have been one of our strongest allies internationally for, for, for decades. Yep. Um, but I want to conclude on this point. You know, the, the, we saw some shifting, I think, in this last debate, especially with the moderates taking on 
the uh, you know the the more progressive wing of the party, Elizabeth Warren being the front runner in that regard. But what does that matter in terms of the overall race? We don't know yet. We'll start. We're starting to see some polls come out. We'll see some polls come out tomorrow. We'll see some polls come out over the weekend. I'm sure the, the Sunday shows will have some big polls that come out that show who got a bounce, who maybe went up, who went, um, you know, who went down from this last debate. But ultimately, I don't think it's going to matter that much. I'm not sure that debates really matter this time around as much as they have in the past, in part because there are so many people on the debate stage, right, that we had 12 people in this last debate. It's hard to really get, you know, some major points in, some major moments in with all those people on the debate stage. And secondly, it just, you know, if you're, if you're Elizabeth Warren or Joe Biden, you don't have to have a strong debate performance. If you have a really lackluster debate performance, which I would argue that neither of them have had. I mean, I think some people were disappointed in Joe Biden's first debate performance, but that's just how he debates. And we've now seen him be relatively consistent in terms of what I would consider to be a relatively mediocre debate performance, but his numbers have not changed. He is still polling exceptionally high, especially among African-American voters. He is blowing everybody out of the water in South Carolina. Um, and look, African-American voters are the underpinning of the Democratic Party. They are the ones who will decide the nominee. They've decided the nominee in the past. They will decide the nominee this time around. So if you're Joe Biden, you're thinking, you know what, why, why risk it? Why do I need to go on that debate stage and you know, throw a major punch or say something that you know, is a little risque? I don't have to do that. And I would argue that maybe one of the reasons why we didn't see Elizabeth Warren push back as much as you might think she would have on some of the costs of her initiatives is she doesn't really have to. I think she's still gonna come out of this polling exactly where she was going into this. Her polls have incrementally increased when she goes out to these big events, stands in line for, in line for selfies, um, and just presses the flesh, which is what we call it in politics. She talks to people, she meets them, she's got so much energy. Um, and I think that is why she has had this incremental increase, not because she's had a really strong debate performance. The debates right now are all about who are those tier two candidates who are going to get into that tier one. Because I do believe in a democratic party that is largely made up of young people and diverse people. That somebody who's under the age of 70, who is a person of color, or even you know another woman is going to eventually make their way into that tier one status. Because right now we've got three people over the age of 70, three wonderful people over the age of 70, but I have to think that there's going to be somebody else who gets up there. So should we uh, yeah, definitely. I, I, I would I, I, I would disagree with you on that. I think the, the nominee is either going to be uh, uh, Joe Biden or Elizabeth Warren. No, I'm not uh, saying so. that I think somebody else is going to be the nominee. I'm saying somebody else is going to surge into that top tier of candidates. I think still it's going to be down to Elizabeth Warren or Joe Biden. better hurry up. I mean, you know, that's the thing. They, a number of these folks have been running since December. And, like, I've heard, you know, we've talked a lot about Cory Booker, who's a big fan, obviously, senator of this state. Um, uh, Kamala Harris, but you know, they don't have a lot of time. You know, we're three months away from Iowa. The notion that like, he's got a lot of money. He does. He's got a lot of money. But like this, you know, we hear for a long time. Oh, it's early. It's early. It's not early anymore. It's November. And then in no, and then when you factor in the holidays, you really don't have a lot of time to campaign anymore for Iowa, which is February 3rd, and then New Hampshire, which follows. So if these folks are going to make their move, they got to make their move now.